0: You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening, and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027 with me, Richard Cock. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m., and in it I talk to someone who is a person of note, and we listen to music of their choice. And my guest tonight is Dr. Patty Francis, and I think, it, Patty, it's probably easier if you tell us who you are and why we're doing this interview.
1: Hello, Richard. Uh, good evening. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. I, I'm extremely well, and <laughs> it's sort of that's important to know, leading into this program.
1: Correct. Correct. Um, to answer your question, I am a clinical neurologist. Uh, neurologists are brain doctors. We look after all diseases associated with the brain. And uh, part of my, an acute stroke service at the NETKM Schlange Hospital in KZN. And it's our protocol to treat strokes as rapidly as possible in order to try and reverse the effects and disability from that. I'll go into a bit more detail about that. So my daily job, my day job, is that I'm a clinical neurologist running a stroke service. And I also serve as the current president of the Neurology Association of South Africa. And I also serve on the South African Stroke Society.
0: Okay, so that sort of puts our listeners in the picture. How prevalent are strokes
1: within South Africa? So, as you know, with COVID-19 being the focus of attention for 2020, our data collection for 2020 has been somewhat suboptimal, but up until the data collection that we do have available, on average, South Africans suffer approximately 360 strokes per day in South Africa. There is also a recently formed, on the 22nd of October, 2020, the African Stroke Organization was inaugurated formally. And according to their data, about 316 strokes occur throughout different countries in Africa per day. So we're looking at about three, between 316 to 360 strokes per day in our continent.
0: And is that quite a lot?
1: It is quite a lot. It is. Uh, in, in terms of WHO statistics, in terms of global statistics, it is the second leading cause of death and disability due to non-communicable diseases. Now we get so excited about, uh, by excited I don't mean positively, I mean negatively, about diseases like heart attacks, cancer, we have Movember for prostate cancer, we have the pink awareness for breast, etc. If you have to look at the current theme for stroke in 2020, two years ago, 2017, 2018, we were saying One in six will have a stroke. Within two years, we have changed that statistic to one in four. In your office, currently, I'm not sure how many people you have. So I've got two staff and me. And if I had to count you in that, one out of the four is statistically destined to have a stroke. That's huge. That is huge. huge.
0: Yeah. Good. And so this program, well, not good. I mean, it's bad. But... It's good that we are bringing this to people's attention because one of the purposes of my interviewing you is to find out what we can do to lessen that um, possibility. And that's partly what we're going to talk about. And your your first choice of music, and I've, I've tried to um, choose pieces that will help the cause. So the first choice of music is ABBA, and it's the famous Dancing Queen. Here it comes. That was Dancing Queen by Abba, the choice of Dr. Patty Francis, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. And we're talking about strokes, the incidence of them, and how to avoid them. So the piece of music uh, that we just listened to, Dancing Queen, keeping moving is an important thing for people to avoid strokes, right? Yes. But moving with purpose. So uh, it's no good just moving you need to uh, you need to be active properly active
1: yes uh, can I detail that a bit yes, more? yes please so in terms of stroke risk factors let me firstly make the point that strokes affect both genders and they affect all age groups certainly strokes in children are a very select group of risk factors stroke in young adults another select group of risk factors which we can talk about The majority of strokes from the middle-aged adult upwards are due to specific risk factors. The number one risk factor is hypertension, and hypertension is in sub-Saharan Africa the highest rate of all groups throughout the world. Even if one looked at people of color throughout the world, for example, African-Americans in America, the rate of hypertension in sub Saharan Africa is still higher over and above any other society. There is also a collaboration of data called the Interheart Study, which showed that in South Africa, the South African African population and the South African Indian population has one of the highest incidence and severity of hypertension throughout the world. The second risk factor is diabetes. The third risk factor is elevated lipids, not just cholesterol, there's a second lipid called triglycerides as well. And so those three factors together with the obesity, the abdominal fat that sits like a tire around everybody's waist when they pass the age of 40, doesn't matter, you could eat as whatever you felt like before you hit 40, your eyes change, and you develop a tire of fat around your abdomen. That whole picture is referred to as the metabolic syndrome. And for hypertension, for diabetes, for lipids, and for metabolic syndrome, exercise has been found scientifically to have a profound, profound benefit in managing all of those processes. Just just to give you as an example, if a person exercised and obviously ate sensibly, and we can talk about what sensible eating might might um, mean. If they exercised and ate sensibly and lost between five to 10 kilograms in weight, they would decrease their dose of statin. They would decrease their HbA1c, which is a measure of diabetes control. They would decrease their HbA1c by 1%, And they would lower their blood pressure by five to 10 millimeters of mercury, meaning they would be able to decrease one tablet in their blood pressure arsenal. So the benefit of physical activity and physical exercise is scientifically proven to have a wide ranging spectrum of positive gain in managing vascular risk factors and managing stroke risk factors specifically.
0: Well, it's it's an amazing story. Um, I think let's listen to your second choice of music and then I want to find out why this uh, incidence of hypertension and diabetes is so high in sub-Saharan Africa. Let's listen to your next choice which is Whitney Houston, a high-energy performer, I want to dance with somebody. That was Whitney Houston with I want to dance with somebody, the choice of Dr. Patty Francis who's my guest in People of Note tonight and she's a a, a neurology consultant in KwaZulu-Natal. Patty, you mentioned that hypertension and diabetes were very prevalent south of the Sahara or in sub-Saharan Africa. Is there some reason why this is so?
1: Well, there are um, possibilities in the um, studies that have been done in hypertension in South Africa There does seem to be a genetic predisposition in one of the controlling systems. There is an endocrine system called the renin-angiotensin system, and there has been data to support the um, suggestion that the African population in South Africa has a particular renin-angiotensin system that predisposes them to a malignant form of hypertension. And um, so that's the one um, genetic risk factor. And then with South African Indians, there is a genetic risk factor for diabetes. The um, There has been comparison between the data from India and the data from the Indian population in South Africa. And I have it on good authority from Professor Nash Ranjit of the uh, Cardiovascular Society that the South African Indian population exceeds the India population for diabetes as well. So there is genetics influenced by affluence. There does seem to be a dietary component to how Indians eat when they uh, develop or achieve affluence that their genetics cannot keep up with. Um, And then of course in, in terms of Um, eating habits of us as South Africans, the salt intake of people with fast food. I don't like to use the word junk food, it's a bit disrespectful, but um, lifestyles are such that people grab something quickly, they grab a bucket of ready-made chicken from their nearest chicken outlet and things like that. Salt content is extremely high. We're not saying you must have zero salt. Salt is an important part of our diets. We have an important physiological system called the sodium potassium pump. We do need some salt, but the excessive salt intake in fast food, which people are grabbing on the run because of the busy lifestyles, that contributes massively to the hypertension. And then in terms of the carbohydrate load from the fast foods, and as well as what people can afford, you know, people love to have desserts. Everybody wants to have almost a quarter cake is now called a slice of cake massive pieces of cake, massive portions of desserts and things like that. All of that add in to the fact that the genetics cannot cope with what's being poured into it.
0: Now what's interesting for me because I just looked up a few composers who died uh, from having a stroke and we're going to play some of their music as well and perhaps after this next piece which is by Felix Mendelssohn who did die of a stroke, you can tell us more about sensible eating. You've just touched on it there but we're going to listen to the wedding march because weddings are famous of course for eating and drinking. This is Felix Mendelssohn who died of a stroke. This is the wedding march. That was the wedding march by Felix Mendelssohn and as we all know weddings are famous places for a lot of eating and drinking and partying and I'm talking to Dr. Patty Francis who is something of an expert on strokes and we've just, have we just had World Stroke Day?
1: Yes, on the 29th of October.
0: So that draws attention to strokes and we were talking about sensible eating. Tell us a bit more about sensible eating because lots of our listeners uh, probably need some advice about this.
1: A couple of points to be made is a, re- a list of do's and don'ts is not a sustainable way of educating people or even managing one's own life. If People are rigidly told, "Never do this, and always do that it's It's automatic it's It's a human reflex to say, "Well, you know that's not for me in broad principles, what we know is that people who have fat around their belly have are more predisposed to what is referred to as metabolic syndrome, which is the combination of diabetes, hypertension elevated lipids so targeting one's behavior towards reducing one's abdominal circumference, one's abdominal fat layer is an important goal. So people should measure with a tape measure their abdominal circumference and work out whether it's normal or desirable for their height, their age, and their overall weight and their gender, their different ranges for males and females. And then they should work out what they need to do in order to decrease that abdominal circumference and their body mass index. In broad principles, we all need to drink water. The human body, the human brain is more than 70% water. So our primary liquid intake should be water and there by by water
0: guidance. you you mean not we're not talking now beer or fizzy drinks you're talking just water
1: water tap water if you want to boil it if you want to add a slice of lemon if you want to buy it bottled you may do so but t- ordinary water let's just take an example if a person had to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and think that that is their water intake they're actually incorrect because tea or the coffee is actually a diuretic it makes one want to wee therefore it promotes water loss rather than water intake so drink your tea drink your coffee but chase it with a glass of water so number one in terms of your liquid intake have water in terms of what you eat the leafy greens the salads one or two fruit if you're a diabetic not more than one fruit those greens and yellows and reds on your plate they are absolutely important in cardiovascular and cerebrovascular health so what you put on your plate has to contain salad vegetables then in terms of specific fish is good you can have your fish in any form not every person particularly in a country like South Africa, particularly on a continent like Africa. Not everybody can afford to buy the trout that has been farmed in a way that is free of this and free of that. So let's not get bogged down in the details of should it be organic, should it be freshwater trout, et cetera. Even if you had tinned pulchits, that has got very healthy omega-3s and 6s and it's very, very healthy for your brain, for your heart, for your body. So include fish, include salad, include vegetables. Go low carb. No carb is not necessarily healthy for everybody. And when people go no carb, they go high protein. High protein is not healthy in people who have hypertension with possible kidney dysfunction people who have diabetes with possible kidney dysfunction too much protein is unhealthy for the kidneys.
0: Okay well we're going to play a piece now by uh, Jean Sibelius another composer he was much older but he also died of a stroke and uh, Mm -hmm. Finland where he came from is a land of a lot of water a lot of lakes and uh, rivers So we're gonna play the famous piece, Finlandia. This is by Jean Sibelius. That was Finlandia by Jean Sibelius. And he was a composer who died of a stroke. And that's what we're talking about tonight with Dr. Patty Francis, who's my guest in People of Note. And she's a guardian of the brain. And that's, I think you refer to yourselves as guardians of the brain, don't you?
1: Yes, indeed. I I will um, share our newsletter from World Stroke Day from the Neurology Association of South Africa, and our title for that newsletter was Guardians of the Brain.
0: And what if people, if you do have a stroke, and let's uh, hope that many people don't have strokes, but because we want fewer people to have strokes, but what, what are the signs and what should people do if you detect these signs? Let's, first of all, what are the signs?
1: Okay, so I'm going to give you the acronym BEFAST, B-E-F-A-S-T. The more commonly known one is F-A-S-T, but remember B-E-F-A-S-T. B is for balance, E is for eyesight, F is for face, A is for arm, S is for speech, T is for time. So, broad principle. Any sudden change in your function. Any sudden change in your balance, any sudden change in your eyesight, any sudden change in your face, any sudden change in your arm, and any sudden change in your speech is suggestive of a stroke. Now many people commonly if their eyesight starts to blur suddenly they go to the optician to check if they need glasses. A sudden change in a person's eyesight is suggestive of a stroke in one of the important blood vessels called the internal carotid artery. If a person has a sudden change in their eyesight, they should go to their nearest hospital or casualty that is offering stroke care. Obviously, if someone is having a progressive change in their eyesight, due to an established cataract or if they know that they've got a cataract problem, that's a different story. But a sudden change in one's eyesight is an acute medical emergency. If it's not a stroke, it could be something like acute glaucoma. So anything that threatens eyesight is important. Even if people have a sudden loss of their balance, they sometimes think, oh, I'm a bit dizzy, I've got a middle ear problem. No, a sudden loss of your balance is a Warning for a stroke until proven otherwise. So, B E F A S T. If your face starts to droop, if your arm feels weak, numb, out of balance, incoordinate, off, it is suggestive this could develop into a devastating stroke. Go and have it checked out, not tomorrow, right now, immediately. Act immediately. So when that is that's, that's sudden, the, Yes, that's change. the
0: T. That's the T of it is the time taken Correct. to react. Correct. Yeah.
1: Correct.
0: So there you are. A quick guide. Be fast. Balance, eyesight, face, arm, speech. Any changes in those need to be dealt with quickly. And time is of the essence. G- give us an idea um, what what affects things according to time. I mean how much time is have people got?
1: Right, so 1.9 million neurons are lost per minute of a stroke. 1.9 million. I always ask patients how many w- million would you like to lose? When we say up to four and a half hours is the opportunity that we have to potentially dissolve the clot that is sitting in the blood vessel and reverse some of the effects of the stroke. Obviously our goal is to try and reverse the stroke 100%, but if the science shows us that 1.9 million neurons are lost that fast, obviously we would have to act instantaneously to have a complete reversal. So the sooner we act the better, but at the four and a half hour mark the clot is becoming hardened in that vessel and the possibility of dissolving it with medication that is given via a drip through a vein and intravenous infusion, the possibility of dissolving that clot becomes more and more remote as we reach that four and a half hour mark. However, At certain specialized centers, there is the possibility of actually inserting a device into the artery and extracting the clot if one can get to that clot in under six hours. So, between the four and a half hour and the six hour mark, there is the possibility of mechanically extracting the clot. Now, that sounds wonderful, but bear in mind, this is not simple plumbing. It's not just sticking something into a drain pipe and extricating it. This is a live human being. Their brain is undergoing cell death, and the brain is the motherboard of the human body. So that computer is starting to malfunction as the cells are dying. And as that computer malfunctions, the blood pressure is becoming erratic, the heart control is becoming erratic, the person themselves is becoming agitated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the sooner we can get in, the better to prevent trying to extract mechanically in an already malfunctioning brain with all the downstream effects.
0: Wow. Okay, so that's important is the time. So your next choice is absolutely perfect. It's Westlife flying without wings. That was Westlife's flying without wings because that's what you have to do if you detect any sign of a stroke, and I'll just reiterate what Dr. Patty Francis said, be fast. Balance, eyesight, face, arm or speech. Any sudden changes in activities in those parts of your body, you need to get somewhere fast because you might be having a stroke. And um, the, the incidence of death from strokes is also quite high isn't it?
1: Yes, as I said uh, in spite of COVID-19 we actually had a WHO report that came out in 2020 which still highlights the leading cause of death as being non-communicable diseases of which stroke rates in the top 3
0: yeah it's it's amazing and um a- as you said earlier it uh, seems to affect certain populations more than others um which is is quite interesting and you mentioned the indian population and the the black population in sub-saharan africa but particularly the indian population which uh, makes them susceptible to strokes but it's it's everybody really. So we need to look after ourselves. We need to walk more. We need to get rid of that abdominal fat and we need to drink more water. All those things you've emphasized so far. Let's listen now.
1: Yeah, and the reason I highlight the high incidence amongst the African population and the Indian population in uh, South Africa and Africa is because usually the cardiovascular and cerebrovascular diseases, the non-communicable diseases are regarded as diseases of affluence and people are quick to categorize um, risks or major areas of concern in places like Africa as being TB, malaria, HIV, Ebola, all those sorts of things. The, the reason I'm highlighting the other race groups as being high risk as well is so that we can shift, we can have a complete mindset shift towards understanding that while we are in South Africa, our only priorities are not infectious diseases. The noncommunicable diseases and the disability that results from the non diseases put an enormous burden on families, communities, societies as well as countries. So that's why I'm highlighting the importance of this disease amongst the non-caucasian population as well.
0: And we're going to talk about that in a moment, but here comes uh, a piece which is very popular all around the world at the moment, it's the famous Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And this is quite an interesting choice of Dr. Patty Francis because it it talks about people moving, doesn't it? And moving is so important.
1: Yes, indeed. It It is not just for strokes. Even last week in an international conference on dementia, Alzheimer's disease, the current research is showing that exercise has a greater benefit in dementia patients than the drugs currently available for dementia.
0: Yeah, well, that's... Uh, an amazing fact and you were funny enough you you think in Africa that people are quite active because we're outdoors I mean we've got sunshine and we can be outdoors one wonders why people are are not quite as active as they should be
1: I think it has multiple reasons that feed into that outcome of people being less active I'm sure you've traveled internationally and one of the things that you would have noticed is that Shops stay open till pretty late in countries like England. You can find big supermarkets like Sainsbury's open till 9:10 at night. And yet in South Africa, things close at 5 o'clock in the evening. Now, a working class sort of person has to close off in their office or at their desk, fly to the shops, fly home, try and make dinner for their family. Everything is rush, 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 rush. While you're rushing, your blood pressure is going up. While you're rushing, you're grabbing something in the car. You're eating a so-called energy bar while you're rushing. There isn't the societal mechanism for pacing ourselves in a way that honors the physical human body, that allows it to function in a way that says, well, it's four hours of work. I have half an hour of a lunch break. During my lunch break, I probably would walk down to the nearest supermarket, grab a few things for this evening's dinner, walk back to my workplace, where are most of the office centres, the industrial parks. It's not user-friendly for people to say, well, I will walk more. There are a select group of people who have started cycling to work. But once again, we don't have cycle lanes on our roads. So as a country, as a Community, a national community, we need to start shifting our mindsets as employers, as workers, as shoppers, as parents, as community members. How do we work out our daily lives in a way that facilitates using the legs that God gave us to transport us around in a way that we can exercise? If we had to walk to the supermarket, we'd be counting our steps much more easily than trying to, at the end of the month, count up for our vitality points.
0: Now, we were talking about uh, South Africa and why we don't walk as much as we should. Here's someone else who uh, had a connection with um, South Africa who did die of a stroke. His name was Bert Kamfert. And here's his famous piece called Swingin' Safari. That was Bert Kamfert's Swingin' Safari. The choice of Dr. Patty Francis, who's my guest in People of Note, and um the the next choice is Jerome Kern with Old Man River, which he just keeps rolling along slowly, um which is what what we need to do. We need to roll along our lives a little more slowly. It sounds, but you obviously have a pretty busy life, and I'm talking personally now you I guess you keep yourself pretty busy, Patty.
1: In terms of my job, it is busy. When one runs a stroke service, one has to follow the principle. Uh, Professor Alan Breyer, who is the um, president of the South African Stroke Society and is one of the doyens of stroke care in South Africa and one of our teachers, he always cautioned us, if you want to do stroke work, you have to be able to drop and go. You have to be able to drop everything that you're doing and go straight to the hospital when you get called That there's a stroke patient that's arrived. So because of that, one is busy and one is busy in an unpredictable way. When I'm on call on any given day, I don't know what time I would go to bed, what time I would be able to have dinner, etc. etc. But fortunately, the hospital I work at is across the road from a big busy mall. So I managed to get in some walking to walk across to the mall to do my shopping for my groceries or whatever. And I also live, as I said, I work at Amschlange Hospital. So I live close to the Amschlange Beach, the promenade. So I am able to put on my tackies with a mask, of course, because of COVID, and go for a walk on the promenade to keep myself somewhat fit and somewhat healthy. Would I love to be in a structured gym program? Absolutely. But I have to be realistic. I've donated enough money to Virgin Active to know that being a gym member doesn't work with my lifestyle but walking on the promenade does because it's close enough for me to do that
0: and actually that's that's what's needed walking is very good exercise
1: absolutely i think as society if we could do what some of the societies like japan does they gather in the parks and they have you know their different types of exercises some of them do tai chi others have a laughing class they gather in the park and they laugh for half an hour how marvelous would that be for us as a country if we used all our um, sports fields and our parks on a saturday morning on a sunday morning for people to gather and exercise stretch their limbs and have a laugh wouldn't that be wonderful and it's been shown medically to help people in their overall health
0: Well, Matabatabha and I, and I just want to say thank you to Matabatabha because he helps me put these programs together. Uh, He and I are going to form a laughing group here. We we were just exchanging glances while we are recording this program. Uh, I'm talking to Dr. Patty Francis, and you're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. This program is broadcast every Sunday right here on this station, and in it I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice and the next choice is Jerome Kern another composer who had a stroke but he wrote the famous old man river that was old man river from showboat by jerome kern a wonderful languid song uh, appropriate for this program uh, i'm talking to dr patty francis who dedicates her life and has dedicated her life to dealing with strokes How did you first get interested? This is a more personal question now, Patty. How did you first get interested in work with stroke patients?
1: Well, as a neurologist, one of the um, presentations of patients to wherever one works is with a stroke. And there is nothing worse than standing in front of a patient, watching them lose their function, and knowing that in other countries with the development of acute stroke care, that they would have had a different outcome had they made it to a stroke center on time. There wasn't always reversible treatment for stroke, but from the 1980s, medication became available that could dissolve clots within blood vessels. The technical term for that is thrombolysis. A thrombus is a clot, and lysis is dissolution of the clot. So from the 1980s, studies became available that within a certain time frame, the clot could be dissolved. And like with everything in life, experience is the best teacher. And the first time one injects a patient with thrombolysis and watches that facial droop reverse, and their speech recover, and by the next day, their hands are together, and they are saying, Doctor, you have changed my life. That is addictive. It makes it all worthwhile. It makes every late night worthwhile. And most importantly, for the persons who don't get that kind of treatment on time, they are sitting in that wheelchair, unable to talk, knowing That they are now a burden on their family, they can't go back to work, they're in a catheter, they're in nappies, nobody would want that even for their enemy.
0: Yeah and in fact the cost to families and family life and I mean not only the cost in terms of care but the cost in terms of finance is probably very burdensome.
1: So I did um, a, a talk for a World Stroke Day where I tried to look at that cost because people often go on about the cost of healthcare. So I tried to look at the cost of the thrombolysis medication and the cost of the mechanical extraction of the uh, the clot versus the cost of living with a disability. And at the moment, we don't have accurate data for South Africa. That's another one of our take home messages is we want to be able to collect our data better but I looked at a recent costing from Europe and that costing from Europe gave 61 billion euros for 2017, the year 2017, looking at 32 countries in Europe, 61 billion euros, but of note was the fact that only 27 billion went towards the healthcare cost, 29 billion went towards looking after the person with disability the social costs and the community costs of looking after the persons with disability in one year in Europe so if one had to use that as a very broad extrapolation very unscientific I know but broadly it was more than 50 percent of the cost went towards surviving with disability rather than treating the
0: stroke. So we're talking large amounts of money anyway, Massive whichever amounts. way you do, yeah. Yeah. And how is our treatment in South Africa sort of in line with the rest of the world? Are we quite good at looking after um, stroke patients here?
1: Yes, we're a country of extremes, as you know. There are pockets of South Africa that are on par with anywhere in the first world. And unfortunately, we do have, in our public sector particularly, a great need to upskill and birth more stroke centers. So currently, um, the statistic internationally is that we need a comprehensive stroke center per million population with comprehensive stroke center including the clot extraction service available. So, in South Africa, uh, where we have somewhere between 58 and 59 million people, we would need 59 comprehensive stroke centers. And then, in terms of stroke centers per se, where they offer thrombolysis, which is dissolving of the clot, we need one per 200,000 population. And when we worked out the statistics, we would need 290 in South Africa. And what we know from the ANGELS initiative, which is another one of our big stroke groups that we work with, that we have South Africa, Namibia, Botswana combined. We have about 239 stroke centers at the moment. So for me, I think that's very promising. Yes, we are not there yet, but we're not sitting with nothing. We're not sitting with the typical picture that people like to present of Africa. As a a society of begging bowl. We're not that kind of society. We have a lot going for us. We have a lot of works in progress and we can only get better.
0: Well and your next choice of music is very appropriate then. This is Michael Jackson, Heal the World. That was Michael Jackson's Heal the World, the choice of Dr. Patty Francis who's my guest in People of Note tonight. And she's a a neurologist and very involved in dealing with strokes and in fact we're doing this program because the 29th of October is is it called world stroke day correct and it draws attention to strokes and how to avoid them because that's the best thing is to avoid strokes wherever possible and just remember be fast is the the clue to that balance eyesight face arm speech and deal with it quickly is the crucial thing and you know get your diet right and exercise and all of that stuff is good so um when you're not uh, and this again is a sort of personal thing patty when you're not dealing with people with strokes uh how do you pass your time are you are you you're obviously a walker a keen walker on the beach uh, do you travel much? Do you go to conferences
1: around the world? Yes. Unfortunately, for twenty twenty, all <laughs> I have done, all I have done since March, is wear PPE and arrive at the hospital every day. So it's been a complete lifestyle change for us as uh, first line responders for twenty twenty. But yes, uh, prior to twenty twenty, I travel extensively for conferences. I love travelling. Um, I love seeing that the world really is pretty much a global village. There's good and bad everywhere and um, you know as, as a nation we have a lot going for us still in South Africa so I'm, I'm passionate about upgrading healthcare and stroke care in South Africa but traveling enhances that because it just allows one to experience what humanity is going through in at large. I like cooking I'm Indian. I'm not sure if you're aware of the fact that I'm Indian. Um, and I love cooking. I love cooking all sorts of food. So that's one of my other hobbies. And I'm Christian. So I spend part of my time going to church when I'm allowed to go to church when I'm not in PPE.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. And did you did you get your, your cooking bug from your own mother?
1: Yes and no. I don't cook as well as my mom. And with my life being so busy, I think more of my influence is Jamie Oliver's. Fifteen-minute meals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And and I guess uh, you you sound as though you're you're pretty busy. But I you, I'm, this next choice is a very interesting one. This is Glenn Gould, a famous pianist, playing an aria by Bach. Now this piece was written for someone who was sleepless. He commissioned Johann Sebastian Bach to write a harpsichord piece, which was called the the Goldberg Variations, because he hired a harpsichord player called Goldberg to play this for him every night while he was trying to go to sleep. And I guess sleep is an important part. Let's listen to this music first. This is the aria from the Goldberg Variations by Johann Sebastian Bach. That was the theme from the Goldberg Variations by Johann Sebastian Bach played by Glenn Gould, a performer, very famous performer who died of a stroke. And that was written for uh, someone who couldn't go to sleep very easily. And perhaps sleep is an important part of our armory against uh, stroke as well.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up, Richard. The brain does not go to sleep when the person goes to sleep. There's more than adequate evidence that sleep, is a busy time for the brain. There are multiple metabolic processes going on in the brain when a person sleeps. And there is more than enough evidence to support the truth that lack of sleep enhances vascular risk. There's a common disorder referred to as obstructive sleep apnea. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. So obstructive sleep apnea occurs when people snore excessively and they don't oxygenate their brains adequately. There are snorers who don't have obstructive sleep apnea. So it's not the snoring per se. It's the poor oxygenation of the brain during the night when the person is sleeping that then results in an entire cascade of maladies one of which is an increase in heart attacks, an increase in strokes, and an increase in various metabolic conditions. So sleep is important. The quality of sleep is important. The duration of sleep is important. And importantly, if a person has obstructive sleep apnea, they should get that treated. And once again, coming back to our main theme of moving, the abdominal fat is one of the biggest contributors to obstructive sleep apnea.
0: Okay, so, well, uh, we're hearing this message loud and clear from Dr. Patty Francis, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. Get those stomachs down, get moving, eat properly, sleep more, all of these things will help you avoid a stroke. Now, uh, Patty, one of the pieces you've chosen is by Ariana Grande called Rise Up. Why did you choose that?
1: Because, firstly, it's a little bit of a long answer, but firstly, I want people to understand that stroke is not a heart attack. Stroke is a brain attack and the loss of function from a stroke Is something that the person will have to live with for the rest of their life. However, rehabilitation is available. There are dedicated, marvelous, angelic therapists who will work with stroke patients to help them rise up and recover to as normal as possible and perhaps somewhat better a lifestyle than they had before the stroke. So the worst kind of stroke does result in death, and yes, stroke does cause deaths. It can cause it immediately, if it is due to a large brain hemorrhage, for example, or if it's a large ischemic stroke that causes lots of pressure in the brain and causes the person to die immediately or soon after the stroke. However, there are more people living with disability than dying from the stroke immediately. And if people can take away a few messages, one is prevention is key. We would prefer to prevent. Two, if we haven't prevented and a person does have a stroke, get there fast with the hope of reversal. And then with whatever residual disability is left, rehabilitation is available and is ongoing. And so hopefully one people will rise up and exercise and move and prevent strokes, two, rise up and get to the hospital fast, and three, rise up and rehabilitate once a stroke has in fact occurred.
0: So here we go, Ariana Grande, Rise Up. That was Ariana Grande with her song, Rise Up, the choice of Dr. Patty Francis, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. And we're sort of moving towards the end of the program now, and I... Uh, Patty, if people want more information about all the things that you do, is are there websites that they can go to?
1: Yes, there is a NASA website called mynasa.co.za
0: That's M-Y-N-A-S-A Correct. M-Y-N-A-S-A, mynasa.co.za and any others?
1: Then, yes, there is the Angels Initiative so if they just go online and look up ANGELS Initiative
0: There we are, ANGELS Initiative an
1: International initiative of, of in which South Africa yeah, It's an international collaboration, South Africa plays a big role in that And it's very much directed towards public awareness And healthcare professional awareness But lots and lots of available for public awareness there and Then there's also the Heart Stroke Foundation of South Africa um hopefully that will morph separately into the stroke foundation and the heart foundation to drive home the message that stroke is a brain disease but for the moment it's still combined into the heart and stroke foundation and the ceo of that is professor pamela naidu and we work closely with pamela and um, there's a lot available on their site as well um, in terms of stroke awareness and stroke education
0: so there we go, it's MyNASA, M-Y-N-A-S-A dot C-O dot Z-A, or the Angels Initiative, or the Heart and Stroke Foundation of SA, of South Africa, I guess, yeah. So you can find all the information you want there, and I'm sure all of those will uh, emphasize this little mnemonic that you can use, BE FAST, balance, eyesight, face, arm, speech, and, of course, time being the key thing in all of this. Once you see any signs, then you have to deal with them quickly. And we're coming up to your last choice of music now. And I think uh, I'm just looking to see what we can choose here that would be really appropriate. And I think I'm going to choose something by Toscanini. He was a famous conductor, very, very energetic conductor. He also died of a stroke, but he was quite elderly when he died of that, but they say, Patty, and I'm a conductor, they say that all this aerobic activity that we normally have is pretty good. You know, waving your arms around in front of an orchestra can be good. So, uh, let's listen to Toscanini conducting. Uh, He was an extremely energetic conductor and he lived to a ripe old age. Here he comes. That was Toscanini conducting. And just while he was uh, performing there, Taba, who's helping me put this program together, was standing up and doing some, some uh, star jumps here to try and keep fit while we're doing this program. Because you can imagine, broadcasters sit a lot, Patty, and this yes. is not, that's not good for us. So yes. uh, keep moving is the key to the whole thing and that's what Matabatabha is just doing here to show us. So there we are, we've more or less come to the end of the program now and I just want to say thank you to Dr Patty Francis for taking the time. Patty, thank you very much indeed.
1: It's a pleasure, it's a pleasure.
0: And I'll just give you quickly those um, websites again, MyNASA, M-Y-N-A-S-A dot C-O dot Z-A, ANGELS Initiative and the Heart and Stroke Foundation of South Africa where you can find information and for all of you listening to this program just remember be fast is the key to all of this if you think that you may be having a stroke but I want to thank you all for listening at home and thank you to Matabataba for jumping up and down here while we've been doing this program keeping fit so that we can still listen to these programs for a long time to come so Thank you very much again Dr Patty Francis and thank you all at home for listening. Until next time from all of us here at Classic 1027 we say good night.
1: Richard I want to leave you with a challenge as I say goodbye. Yes. The theme of the World Stroke Day as you know is movement so I'm challenging you and Metaba to make a little video of you and your team dancing and upload it and tag people and do the things that people are doing on social media now to get this movement some more energy and some more traction. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Okay, watch this space for me and my tubs. We will be there. Thank you. Thank you Thank and you. good night and sleep well.